As we are continuing this uh, season of emphasis upon together again, I wanted to take some time as we look at the Bible and understand what the Bible says about the importance of community and growing together as God's church and being a part of a body. We were never called to be sole lone rangers. That wasn't God's intent. God designed the church and God built the church so that we could get connected in community. And it's so important that you find a way to get connected in the season of your life. And maybe you're a person like me. I am the worst, world's worst introvert. I could be perfectly happy living in my little hermit crab shell all of my life, be perfectly content. But that isn't how God called me to live. God called me to live in community with one another so that there is spiritual formation because you have something to offer to my spiritual growth that I need. And likewise, we help each other grow in this process. And so it's so important that you find a place to grow in the faith. That's why it's so important as you come to the faith, maybe you're watching online, you come to the faith, maybe you're some, another state, find a way to get connected to a church somewhere. It's so important that we grow together. And so in that mindset, we're going to be begin a, st a study this, uh, this week of uh, bringing the emphasis as the Bible shows us. What does the Bible say about togetherness? What does the Bible say about community? What does the Bible say about growing and being the church once again? And so we're going to start a series this week called Planted Together. And we're going to be looking from the letter of Ephesians which is such a unique letter that Paul writes to the church at Ephesus, a church that he really, as, as he wrote that letter, he had not met those people yet. He, the Bible says that as he was writing to them, he told them, I have heard of your faith. And we know that Paul heard what was happening in Ephesus. So therefore, he wrote a letter to them to encourage them. And one of the unique things about Ephesians, among other things, is Ephesians is the only letter in the New Testament where Paul addresses a church without any point of correction. There is no calling out some sexual immorality like it was in Corinthians. There's no problems with false doctrines per se going on. What Paul does in Ephesians is really unique as he sees this church that is kind of embodying what it means to be the people of God, what it means to be the community of Jesus Christ. And so he sends this letter to them as a way to show them it's an inside look at what is beneath, what is behind, and what is within the church that we do see wherever and whenever it becomes visible. And so we're going to look at Ephesians this month as we're beginning uh, this insight into what Paul was telling the church in Ephesus. Now, before we go into that, a few things we need to understand about Ephesians among the other letters of the church is that the Bible, there is no place in the Bible. And if you can find it, you come tell me later. But there is no place in the Bible where we see a perfect church. Did you know that? There's no place in the Bible that it tells of a perfect church. Every church has its problem. There's often this strong emphasis that we need to be like the early church. But the truth is the early church was full of problems just like the church is today. The early church provides us a good model of practices and things from Scripture that we need in our lives as we see in Ephesians and among other letters. But to actually be the early church, though that has some problems, just look at Corinth, for example. Go read the letters to the Corinthians. We don't want to be that church. They had a lot of problems. 
However, the Bible does give us a clear model of what makes up a foundational church built upon the rock, which is Jesus Christ. And that's what we're going to be looking at. We're not going to be modeling our lives after people because people are, are flawed, just like you and I, just like we see in the Bible. The people who wrote the Bible, they were flawed, too. They all had flaws. There was no perfect person other than Jesus Christ. And so when we're looking at the Bible, we're going to be looking at it through that lens. And so we're looking this month about planted together. And the Bible in Ephesians chapter 4 has this verse here that I want to read to you. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. But speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. From the whole body, joined and knit together by every ligament with which it is equipped, as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth in building itself up in love. You and I, whether you like it or not, are planted together. We've been sown into the same garden. We're planted together. As believers in Christ, we're planted in this body called the church, and we are knitted together, as Ephesians tells us here, that we are joined and knit together by every ligament, and we have been planted together. Now, what happens a lot of times is, is we have this Americanized version of Christianity and of the church that thinks that I can go over here and then jump over here and jump over here and keep looking for the perfect church until I just keep going and going and going, hoping to find something that is not there instead of being the one who is joined and knit together to promote the body's growth. If you and I would give ourselves to being joined and knit together, the Bible teaches us that it would promote the body's growth. But oftentimes what happens in our Americanized consumerism of the church is we can't find what we're looking for. So we go here, we go there, and we keep going and going and going until we're no longer being fed in our soul. We're just being blown wherever culture takes us. But the Bible teaches us the importance as the believers to be planted together. We're the church. And it doesn't matter if you go down to the church down the road, they're the church too. And it doesn't matter if you go up the church another couple states away, they're the church too. We are the church. As much as we have tried to put lines across with denominations and all of these divisions and names on our doors, it doesn't matter. We as God's people are the big capital C church. We are all belonging to the body of Christ. When Jesus comes back in the clouds from heaven, he's not going to say, hey, come over here, Methodist. Come over here, Baptist. No, he's going to sound the trumpet and the church of Jesus Christ is going to raise up. That's the body of Christ. It's all of us working together, joined and knit together. And so when we're talking about being planted together, there is a foundational principle that we're going to learn from Ephesians is, is that, yes, we are very different. And if we were all alike, that would be equally scary. But we are very different. And that's okay. Because the thing that joins us together, the Bible says that we must grow up in every way into him who is the head. Charlie, no. Pastor Keith, no. Into Christ. He is the head. Growing up into him, being knit together into Christ. And so Ephesians brings us this point together that if we'll grow up and be joined and knit together, the Bible says that it will promote the body's growth. How many of you want to grow? I want to grow. 
I don't, I'm, I'm glad that when I was a kid that I didn't get stuck at about two feet tall. I kept growing. I'm glad that as I've grown into a, an adult that I have put on a little muscle and I'm not as weak as I used to be. I'm glad that I have grown in my mental faculties and grown in maturity. I'm glad that I wasn't stuck where I used to be. Growth is good and we need growth. And that's what Ephesians is all about, is about spiritual formation in the life of the community. You and I help bring formation into God's kingdom you and into the church. And that's what we're going to see today is looking at being planted together so that we can grow as God's church. And today we're going to look at this emphasis from Ephesians, from death to life. Planted together from death to life. You know, Jesus is walking on the road one day and he's talking to this, or actually he's in the middle of the night rather, the Bible says. And this Pharisee comes to him. And the Bible's not really certain why this Pharisee came to him at night, other than the fact that Jesus, other than, or rather than Nicodemus, who was his name, was probably trying to get in the night and talk to Jesus so that he wouldn't be seen by the other Pharisees. And, Jesus, and Nicodemus and Jesus have this long, drawn-out conversation, which is a really beautiful conversation. It's in that chapter, John chapter 3, where we get the lovely verse, For God so loved the world that he gave us his only Son. But as Nicodemus is talking to Jesus, Jesus is going on and talking to him, and he tells him these words, you must be born again. Nicodemus was a little confused by that question. What do you mean be born again? I'm already born. I'm standing right here in front of you. Don't you see Jesus? But he says, no, you have to be born of the spirit, born of the kingdom of God, born again by the washing of our sins and born into God's kingdom. Once again, it's by Jesus' death upon a cross that you and I can be born again. That means that the old life is passed away and now there's a new life. And so we're going to look at this from death to life and we're going to read today from Ephesians chapter 2. Is Paul is talking to this church at Ephesus and he's telling them about what is bringing them strength. What's making them grow up together? And he's trying to show them to get to the core of what is bringing life. Uh, maybe you want to think of it like fertilizers, so to speak. And so Paul goes on to tell them in Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to read here today. You were dead. I love how Paul starts that off. You were dead. Tell somebody near you, you were dead. Let them know, let them know. That is the greatest news of the church. That is the greatest news of you and I as God's people. We were dead. We were dead. There's no greater thing I could tell anybody in the world than the fact that I was dead. I think about Howard King when he shares his testimony about being and uh, how he had clinically died from a heart attack and how he came back to life. What a story that is that it impacts all of us. But the truth is, as believers in Jesus Christ, all of us have that story. You were dead. You were dead. You had no life. You didn't have any breath in your lungs. You were dead. But now as God's people, as the church of Jesus Christ, we have been made alive. Paul goes on to say, you were dead through the trespasses and sins in which you once lived. One thing to note here is Paul is not trying to minimize the impact of sin. And he shows them that sin brings death. We all have to understand that today, that sin brings death. In which you once lived following the course of this world. 
And he goes on to show them that the world brings death. Following the ruler of the power of the air, the enemy brings death. And the spirit is now at work among those who are disobedient. All of us once lived among them in the passions of our flesh. Now notice what Paul says here. All of us. All of us. As we're talking about dead people, as the, pink, the people of God, as God's people, the most important thing we need to all kind of understand so that we can get on the same page is I was dead, you were dead, we were all dead at one time. And there's nobody any special or exempt from that. All of us once lived among them in the passions of our flesh, following the desires of flesh and senses. And we were by nature children of laugh, wrath like everyone else. And here is the most beautiful statement in the Bible, as it often is in the New Testament. But God, but God, but God who is rich in mercy, but God who is rich in mercy and grace, out of great, the great love which he loved us, even when we were dead through our trespasses, made us alive together. Made us alive together with Christ. And by grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the ages to come he might show us the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. I love how Paul is writing to this church in Ephesus, a church he hasn't met yet. And he's telling them that you were dead, I was dead. But it's because of Christ we've been made alive together. Alive together. He didn't say he just rose one person up out of a coffin. He didn't say he just brought one person back to life. He said alive together. And as God's people, the Lord has called us as the church to be a community of life together. There's no other way around it. There's no other place in the Bible where you can see otherwise. There's no other excuses that we can make in our mind as much as the enemy might like us to think. There is no other way around it is that we as God's people have been called to be alive together. In other words, we all have to confess today, I need you. And the truth is, you need me. We need each other in God's kingdom. We've been built together that way. And Paul will go on throughout the letter of Ephesians. We'll talk about that later, talking about how this body is meant to work together. And he gives the example as he does to the church at Corinth. It's like a physical body. The arm needs a heart to pump blood to it, to make it work. We all are supposed to, is supposed to be joined together. But Paul gives them this example of resurrection. In just the verses before that, we talked about this a few weeks in prayer, a few weeks ago in prayer service, that he prayed for them, that their eyes might be open so that they could understand the working of his great power, that God put this work to, in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Ultimately, what Paul is trying to tell the church at Ephesus and what we see here, that it is the, because of the resurrection of Christ, that same power that was put to work in Christ's resurrection is also what has brought us to life as God's people. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you have been brought to life by the power that brought Jesus from, to life. And can I tell you something? That was an earth-shattering event. People tried to discourage it and didn't want it to believe. We're going to celebrate it in a few weeks. 
People ran to the tomb, wondering what happened to the person that used to be here. The Bible says that the, the, the whole world was shaken by that event. The Romans tried to come up with stories to discourage what had happened at the tomb. When they went back there, they said, well, the disciples stole his body. He's not here anymore. The greatest miracle of the kingdom of God has been the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the God whom we serve, which makes us different from every other religion in the world. You can't go to another religion in the world and find a God who died and came back to life. And it's our story. It's the story of the church is that we have the testimony that that same power, it's alive in us. What brought Jesus from the dead, it's working to bring us alive together, making us one. I love what a, a, an author of mine, a favorite author, a, author of mine who I've been reading, that he calls this, that ultimately he says this, that church is this appointed gathering of named people who practice a life of resurrection in a world which death gets the biggest headlines. Think about it for a moment. You turn on the news, you see the death of nations, the death of civilization, pick up your history book, death of marriage, death of careers, obituaries without end. The newspaper has a section on death, death by war, death by murder, death by accident, death by starvation, death by this, death by that, over and over and over again. But we, as God's people, have the picture of life that we have been painted as a community of life in a world of death. In a country that is panicking about headlines about how many people have died from COVID, God has made us a community of life in a world of death. And you would think, what, what, would it, wouldn't people want that? Wouldn't people be driving into church to get that? Why aren't they? What's missing? We have the picture, as this author says, that the practice of resurrection is an intentional, deliberate decision to believe and participate in resurrection life. Life out of death. Life that trumps death. Life that is the last word, Jesus life. If you are a people of God, if you are in the kingdom of God, you are alive because of Jesus, no other reason. It's not because of anything that you did or anything that I did. It's not by what kind of job that you have or I have. It's not by how many times I, I gave myself in volunteer hours. No, the only reason that we have been brought alive is because of Jesus. And the thing that happens oftentimes in our American society of the church is it's easy to dismiss church and think that it's irrelevant. Think that it's not worth my time. Because what happens is, is we get disillusioned. In the country of death, in the world of death, we get disillusioned. When we're surrounded by death all the time and we separate ourselves from community, we miss the benefits and we can't see what is the benefit of life in the midst of death. We oftentimes will become a culture that is condescending unto the church. But oh, how we have to be careful. It's the body of Christ. Before we be condescending upon anybody, don't let it be the body of Christ. No, we are a community of life in the midst of death. And God wants us to see, and the enemy doesn't want us to see, the power of life in our midst. Don't you think that the enemy was at work 
when Jesus was resurrected? Oh, how he wanted to keep the Romans from seeing what had just happened in their community. Oh, how he wanted to keep the Pharisees from seeing what had just happened in their community. Wanted them to miss resurrection in the midst of death. But that is our greatest story. As Paul told the church at Ephesus, I was once dead, but now because of Christ, I have been brought alive. And the thing is, there is no story compared to that. There is nothing that touches that type of story. When somebody says, I was once dead and brought back to life, it makes headlines. It makes the news. And the truth is, is oftentimes we live our Christian lives as if we're not experiencing that type of resurrection life. We live our lives as though we are living in something that is dead, that we just honor and lament what used to be. But the truth is, is that the resurrection power, Jesus tells the church, is still alive and you have been made alive together. And God wants to work in our community to bring us together. And this morning, I want to show you a little bit about death to life from an example of someone who experienced it firsthand. His name was Lazarus. How many of you know Lazarus? Lazarus was a dead man. He died. Of course he died. Just like all humans. And Mary and the family, they blamed Jesus and said he was too late. And so therefore, he died. And so they put up a little plaque over his grave that said, in loving memory, Lazarus. Those dates are not correct. I wasn't there. I don't know. Lazarus died. They sealed up the tomb, as a matter of fact, the Bible says. They rolled a rock in front of it. That was the end. They did not expect to go back in there. As a matter of fact, they didn't have any plans at all. They wrapped his body up in grave clothes. They put him in there, knowing that the process of decay was about to happen. They left him there, knowing that they weren't supposed to go back in there, that they sealed it up. Put the plaque on the front of the door, in loving memory, Lazarus, our dear brother. That was it. But then Jesus comes along. And think about this. A community of life in a country of death. Jesus comes along and tells them, he says in John chapter 11, I am the resurrection and life. Mary says, oh yeah, we know. At the last day, he's going to be, he's going to come. When we get to heaven, yeah, Lazarus is going to be there. Jesus said, no, you don't get it. I am the resurrection and life. You don't need life when you get to heaven. That's eternal life. I'm talking about when you come here and you die, I can show you that I can bring you back from death to life. And so he says to them, to Mary, those who believe in me, even though they die. Wow, what a statement Jesus made. Even though they die. Lazarus, even though you're dead, he tells them, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. The greatest news Jesus gave us and encouragement and hope we have today is that as believers in Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us that you will never die. Of course, this body will pass away because it's married to this earth. It's corrupted by the nature of this, this world. But our soul, our being, and who we are will never die, the Bible says, as Jesus told them. 
And when Jesus arrived on the scene, his great his proclamation was, I am the resurrection and the life. His body hadn't even been put in a tomb yet, but he was already telling them, I'm about to show you what I'm going to do. And so Jesus goes on and he's the resurrection and the life. He tells them and he begins to weep as he sees their pain and their suffering. And the Bible says in John chapter 11, 44, as Jesus said, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out. His hands and feet bound with strips of cloth, his face wrapped in a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. What a picture here. Here was a man who had, they had buried him and had never planned to get out of a tomb. And now he's standing in front of them with grave clothes. What kind of picture that is of us to the church. As oftentimes we live our lives as though there is just death and we go ahead and put grave clothes on it and shut it up in a tomb and let it be. But the truth is, as Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And I want to show you what Jesus did. The, people, the world says in loving memory, Lazarus. But when Jesus comes along, he does something that had never been done before. He cancels out the date of death and he gives us new life. And we as the church, as we look at the story of Lazarus, the story of Lazarus is the picture of the church, of what God did, is that God took a bunch of people, as Paul said, you were dead, and he brought them together, all of these people from all different types of backgrounds, and he brought them into the kingdom of God, and he said, now you are alive together, because of why? Jesus is the resurrection and the life. No medicine can do this. No, no science can do this. No doctor can do this. Only Jesus can cancel out death. Only Jesus is the defeater of death. Only Jesus could come to the earth, be born in a manger, lay upon a cross, but then come out of that tomb in a new form of glory and power. We are the community of life in the country of death. I say all of that to say is that sometimes we forget it. Sometimes the country of death disillusions us to what we have here. This isn't just some organization. This isn't just some social club. This isn't a place to just get an entertainment experience. This is the community of life. The type of life that Jesus brought to Lazarus that brought him out of a tomb. That same power is alive right here, right now in you and me. And as I have reflected upon this, I have to be honest with you. I have just been kind of emotional about it, <laughs> be honest. I've been overwhelmed to think that here we are. What a testimony. I had never thought about it this before. But all of us, we have the same story. All of us have a plaque that we can hold up and say in our own lives is that I was dead, but now I'm alive. And that is what draws us together. What draws us together is not the lights. It's not the music. It's not the preaching. What draws us together is, is that we all share the fact that Jesus canceled out our death. I should have been dead, but Jesus brought me back to life. That's the power that's at work among among us. That's the power that when a lost person comes in, they can get a hold of that. They can also experience that same type of life. That's the power that when the choir sings, they're not just singing a song. They're telling about the story of their heart that I once was dead, but now I am alive. That's my story. That's your story. And what the world is looking for We've often been disillusioned about this 
For many years, we've thought maybe it's better marketing or better, maybe it's better strategies or maybe, it's, maybe we need to change the style of music. We've thought maybe if we'll put the right type of preacher up front. We've been disillusioned about what the world is looking for, but I want to show you something and show, show you exactly what the world is looking for. The Bible says that after Lazarus had been brought out of the tomb, they went to go find him. They had heard about Lazarus. And the Bible says is that the Passover of the Jews was near. And many went up from the country to Jerusalem before the, the Passover to purify themselves. They had heard about what had happened to Lazarus. And the Bible says in John chapter 11, chapter, verse 56. Now go ahead and circle this. Go ahead and put this in your journal. Go ahead and put this everywhere you go when we're serving together as the church. As the Bible says, they were looking for Jesus. They were looking for Jesus. We've often thought that maybe they were looking for the cave where there was a good experience at one time. And we said, maybe you can go and visit the cave. That's where Lazarus was brought to death. Come see it. Come see the tomb of where life used to be. Come see the place. Oh, oh, actually, wait a minute. Maybe you don't want to see the cave. We have the grave clothes that he wore. You want to look at those. We've all even gone as far to say, hey, maybe you want to come see Lazarus yourself. Come talk to him. But listen, the world is not looking for a tomb. They're not looking for a cave. They're not looking for grave clothes. The Bible says that they went looking for Jesus. And what they wanted most in that encounter wasn't Lazarus. It wasn't a tomb. They wanted the one who said, I am the resurrection and the life. And so therefore, they went after him, the Bible says. And this made the Pharisees mad. They tried to shut him up, put him down. They tried to arrest him on the spot. They even tried to go as far to kill Lazarus to kill the testimony of what resurrection power does. But what they were looking for was Jesus. And listen, when we get to the place, I'm speaking to us as the big capital C church. When we get to the place where we prioritize encounters with Jesus over anything else. Oh, that's when dead people will come to life. That's when you can come in a sinner and leave a saint. That's when you can come in with the worst in the world and be set free. That's the type of power that you can come in completely lost and confused about life and leave transformed. That's my story. I came into a place not knowing what to expect. I thought I was going to have a nice time, a nice time with other teenagers and experience a fun time. But what I didn't know was that I was about to enter a community of life. And when I entered the community of life, and I saw life happening around me. It got a hold of me. And that life brought me to life. It's like when they were throwing bodies into the tomb where Elisha threw it. They threw the body in the tomb. And the Bible says that guy came to life. Life touched life. And when that happens with the world is that when the world will touch life that's happening here. We'll see what we're hoping for. We'll see people come to the Lord. We'll see the togetherness that we long for. We'll see life in the community in the world of death, as the community of resurrection, can it be our story that we don't get so focused on things that don't bring people life? They're good. They're helpful. There had to be a tomb for the body. There had to be grave clothes. But that was never the point of the resurrection. The resurrection was all about the person. And today, musicians are going to come. Today, it's our story. 
as the church of Jesus Christ right here at All Nations Church. This is our story. All of us, you have this. If you're a believer here today, you have this. You have this over your life. If you're following the Lord Jesus with all of your heart, confessing him as your Lord, you have this over your life. That's your testimony. Story. That's what God has given you. Many times what we do, and it grieves my heart, so we take this story right here. And we hide it from the world. We don't want them to see that. Sometimes we even become ashamed. We tuck it away. Or sometimes we tell the story another way. Well, it sort of happened like that. Listen to today. You and I have the greatest story that's ever been told. He said, I was once lost. Was once astray. But God brought me together. He brought me alive. And not only that, but he placed me with other people. You, 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 who are also alive. He gave us resurrection life. And when we come together, our story ought to be a story of celebration and greatness that we serve the same Jesus who canceled death. I love what the psalmist says in Psalm 118 from the message. He says, I didn't die, I lived. And now I'm telling the world what God did. God tested me, he pushed me hard, but he didn't hand me over to death. Swing wide the city gates, the righteous gates. I'll walk right through and thank God. This temple gate belongs to God so the victors can enter and praise. What if it was our story that we would swing wide the gates of our church, of our community, not this physical building, but we swing wide the gates so people can come in and hear that story. I didn't die. I lived. I once was dead, but God brought me back to life. This morning, maybe you're here today and you're hearing me tell this about being dead and being brought back to life. And the truth is, is that when you're dead and you're in the presence of life, you want it. You long for it. Sometimes it's hard to even confess it. Sometimes it's hard to admit it. But when you're in the presence of life and you're dead, you also want to come alive. But for some reason, the enemy, he gets in our ears and he keeps us from that sometimes. Or maybe it'll be in the fact that he'll keep us distant so we don't experience the power of resurrection community. But today, I want to tell you today, that same power that rose Christ from the dead, that rose Charlie from the dead, and any other believer in this church is available for you right today. It's our story. The Bible says if you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that's the important part, is to acknowledge that yes, Jesus died, I have died, and now God raised him from the dead, so therefore he can raise me from the dead. Then the Bible says, then you shall be saved. Church, today we have a testimony to take to the world. 
in pandemic 2021, we have a testimony to take to the world while their headlines scroll across our screens. Death here, death here, death there. Our story is, oh, there's life here. There might be death over there, but this is a community of life. And it's not about anything else other than Jesus. We stand today. Choir's gonna come. Could we sing that Keep Hope Alive again this morning? As you know, I, th I think that song is just perfect timing for today to remind us. The choir sang it first time today, but how it tells us the story. Jesus, you are alive. This morning, if you just need a fresh reminder of God's grace for you today, I just want to encourage you to lift up your hands and worship. Experience the power of resurrection community. If you need life today, call out to the one who says, I am the resurrection and the life. All I can do is tell you about it, but I can't give it to you. You've got to ask him, call to him today. As the choir sings this today, would you just meditate, worship, let the resurrection life bring you alive today. May the Holy Spirit knit and join our hearts together as we are planted together here today. Let's sing this morning.